Take your Bibles tonight and go to Psalm 33, if you would. Psalm 33. This is our theme verse, uh, verses we're going to look at here tonight, Psalm 33. <clears throat> Looking forward to getting back into our series in uh, 1 Samuel. Hadn't forgot about that. We're still in that series. It's uh, just been a little bit since we've been back in 1 Samuel. Uh, now, God willing, next Sunday night, we're looking forward to Brother David Hetzer being with us. He's going to be here during the conference. He's going to stay over and he's going to preach uh, Sunday night. I'm sure looking forward to that and getting to catch back up with Brother David. So he'll be, and then he'll be preaching. And then after that, we'll get back into the First Samuel series. And uh, it'll be a, 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 I know the Word of God will be a great help to us there in First Samuel in chapter number 24. Okay, uh, Psalm 33, so this is a good opportunity just to uh, emphasize our theme. Verse number 8 is where the theme is from, Psalm 33 and verse 8. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. And that's our theme, stand in awe of Him. And he's... um, Really, what, what you have going on in this psalm is you have verses 1 through 3 as a call to give God the praise of which He's worthy. And then verses 4 and 5 really serve as, uh, we might say, a central idea of, the, of the, the chapter as the reasons why, at least the, why we ought to give praise and thanksgiving to God. And it's summarized in basically four statements in verses 4 and 5, almost like a thesis statement. And then and then the rest of the psalm really amplify each of those statements. And so we dealt with the first part in verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right. And he, he really amplifies that in verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. And so now we're looking at the next part about how that his works are done in truth, the latter part of verse 4. Everybody follow what I'm saying right there? He's kind of building it and, and developing it. And so now that's the focus of verses 10 through 12. So let's give our attention to that here tonight as we get into the message for this evening. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people, the devices would be like their plans. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. Verse 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. So their counsel does not stand, his does. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And then it says in verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. All right, now that statement is flowing out of verses 10 and 11. The counsel, sorry, the heathen, he brings that counsel to naught, to nothing. Uh, He Thwarts their plans. All right? The devices of the people have none effect, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand. It stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is that nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. All right? So blessed, basically, blessed is the nation that recognizes that. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. And so we're going to focus on verse 12. Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. Certainly, certainly that would apply to Israel. There's no question about that, uh, that God has blessed Israel, even in ways they don't even deserve. And yet he's been faithful to Israel. And so along the way of Israel's history, there have been times that they have been blessed because they've observed this verse, basically. 
But it says it in a generic fashion that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, that could apply to the United States of America as well. So tonight the message is entitled this, America as a Mission Field. I want you to think about that. America, we live here, uh, we work here, we serve here, our church is here. America as a mission field. Uh, I'm trusting that God will use this even in preparation for the church planning conference, which by the way, don't skip Wednesday night, be here. I, you say, man, there's going to be a lot of people. Yes, but uh, that's, that's what makes it so exciting. So don't stay home. Don't stay home. I'm speaking to the church. Church means assemble, right? So we got to assemble. Now we are going to have overflow open because you can see right now we're, we're full here. So where are you going to put people? Hey, we, we got places, right? And so anyways, overflow will be open. Maybe some of you take advantage of that and just help out in here where church planners can be a part. I understand it's crowded, but, but listen, we're part of something that's very exciting that's going on. And so don't miss out on it. I think, well, it'd be too crowded. Somebody will get my seat. Hey, you don't have a seat, number one, right? <laughs> number two, uh, you need to be in church. So, uh, but America as a mission field. America as a mission field. May God bless his word and these thoughts that we'll share together. America as a mission field. This past week, I had opportunity to spend a little bit of time uh, with Brother Tom and Miss Sandy Hastings, who's just right over here. So Brother Tom, Miss Sandy, y'all raise your hand so everybody knows who I'm talking about right here. No, our church family uh, knows them very well. Uh, the last year, over a year, they've been members here. So that's been a blessing. But before that, we were supporting them as they were church planning missionaries uh, sent to the country of Germany by the Hillcrest Baptist Church of El Paso, Texas. And, and um, you know, uh, God's given Hillcrest just a special outreach in many ways to Germany. I, I don't know how that all works out that way. It's kind of like here, you know, with Sri Lanka and, and uh, you know, just, hey, you follow God's leadership and God sends people out, right? Um, which, by the way, I do believe that God is still interested in increasing not just our seating capacity, but our sending capacity. And that the gospel's got to go to everywhere, from everywhere. So anyways, it was a blessing to get to visit with them and and um, God's using them in traveling. They've had a, a full year, even last year, traveling around to churches and, and speaking. But Tom preaching, Miss Hastings having an opportunity to speak to ladies. And, but really this, boosting missions awareness. Now, they're, they're retired, but they're still serving. Right? Because missionaries don't really ever retire. They just get retread and they keep going. Isn't that how it goes? So that's kind of how it is with the Hastings. They're about to go out. They're here now, but they're about to go out. And I'm glad that we can be a part of that just by us being their home church. They're, they're just in favor of what's going on and God using them to boost missions awareness around uh, the United States where they go. That another generation would understand the solemn obligation that we have by way of the Great Commission to get the gospel to everywhere. Uh, it still stands. And so we need to be mindful of that. Uh, the church that ceases to evangelize begins to fossilize. And so we need to exist for the reason that God has placed us here uh, in Oklahoma City to be a very missions-minded church. As really, it ought not be just a, a title of this church. It ought to be of every church. It ought to be a missions-minded church. So, but what was interesting to me as I had time to visit with them a little bit is that they mentioned that as they left, uh, they'd served in Germany for 48 years. And so now they're coming back to the United States of America. Listen to this. The church there prayed over them 
basically commissioning them as missionaries back to the United States of America. What do you think of that? A missionary, you say, I'm offended by that. (laughs) I hope not. Uh, Missionaries back to America. We have in our mind, and and I mean, you, you look at the numbers, uh, I, I truly believe that God has blessed the United States of America because of churches within in the United States that have been sending churches and getting the gospel out. I believe that God's blessings are connected to his purposes in the earth. And as a country, we have enjoyed his blessings because we have been involved in his purposes in the earth. But should we ever begin just to enjoy his blessings without them being connected to his purposes, I wonder should he remove his blessings from us and put it somewhere where they'll take care of his purposes in the earth. I wonder if that's happened in England and, and uh, where it was the sending country in the world. I mean, in terms of uh, missionaries going out, you know, I mean, you think about William Carey and, and, and others that were going uh, to all over the world. You have, you know, from various countries like Scotland and Ireland. And, but now, now, those countries I just listed, we are sending missionaries to England, to Scotland, to Ireland, and so forth, they've become a mission field. I tell you, folks, I believe that's happening in the United States of America. It certainly is. America is becoming more and more of a mission field, always has been. Um, Angie and I were mission majors in, at Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. I truly thought that at this time of life that we would be in India. Um, and uh, I, I really just had to surrender that God wanted us here. But I thought for sure we'd be in India eating curry. I was really excited about that. Uh, but I, I thought this, okay, I, I studied world missions. I was a missions major. Why should we not do here in America, what we as mission majors were trained to do in the foreign country. Why why should we expect missionaries to carry the gospel and do discipleship and and we not do exactly the same thing? I I submit to you tonight, church, and I know you know this, but listen, we're supposed to do the same thing they're doing there. Now, we don't have to learn the culture. We know the culture. We don't have to know the language unless you're from Kentucky. Then you've got a little bit of language acquisition to obtain. Still learning. Y'all know what I mean? But really, why should they do something different there than what we're doing here? I, I believe we're supposed to do exactly the same thing. So is it safe to say that America is a mission field in that sense? Operation World, I uh, have this book sitting beside my uh, computer, and generally as I'm getting started for the day, I'll, I'll pick out which country, which actually right now I'm in the, the uh, states of India and, and just kind of working through them, and, and it gives, you know, the people groups that are there and how to pray for them, and so that's just where I am. I've got a, a bookmark here from Sri Lanka, and I'm just kind of working my way through here, but also in this is the United States of America. We're, we're not exempt from this. Um, and it says this about the United States, a nation of immigrants with the greatest ethnic, ethnic origin diversity of any nation in history. 31 ethnicities have a population in the United States of America of over, over 1 million people. 
over, what was it, 31 ethnicities have over a million people represented right here in the United States of America. I'm talking about America being a mission field. We have a rich, it says answers to prayer, and I'm not going to go through all this, but answers to prayer, a rich legacy of Christian history has profoundly shaped the United States of America from the nation's early days through today. No other country has been so strongly influenced by biblical Christianity. Would you agree with that? Certainly. Challenges to prayer. And it mentions how that the 21st century is seeing a different role in a different America. And, and, and uh, number two, it mentions America's uh, massive cultural and social influence that makes it the world's, listen to this, greatest force for good and its greatest purveyor of sin. We export both the gospel, but sadly, We also export our culture. Everybody wants to be like America. You notice that. Okay, so that's part of the reason why we're a a mission field. Listen listen to this. I don't want to bore you with reading, but I want to help us here to think about the country in which we live and see it as a mission field. It might change the way that you go to work tomorrow. You might actually look forward to going to church tomorrow. Well, you might take tracks to church tomorrow. Right? Because you're on a mission field. You're on a mission field. It says here the spiritual heritage of the United States is being attacked by an unholy alliance of humanists, atheists, New Age, and homosexual agendas. They exploit their influence in the media to disparage Christians and dismantle all they can of anything Christian in public life. They exploit constitutionally provided free speech while denying the same right to Christian viewpoint. Freedom of religion is becoming freedom from religion. The concept of tolerance is abused to silence truth and promote anti-Christian values. Pray that Christians in America, still a sizable majority, would be able to speak the truth in love and retain both their Christian legacy and the free speech enabled by it. While this will involve many battles, legal and ideological, pray pray that these would be conducted with a Christ-like attitude. Everybody get that? How about this? This generation of young people, I'll tell you why America is a, a mission field is because of the generation of young people. This generation of young people is both the most privileged and the most damaged. Humanistic and new age philosophies, spiritual confusion, moral relativism, broken families, sexual permissiveness, drug and alcohol abuse, mindless violence, Widespread acceptance of the occult and callous self-absorption combined to reap a bitter harvest. America is a mission field. America is a mission field. Uh, This week, arriving here on this uh, property will be many of these church planters. I've got the early edition of, of the book here and and it, it's um, listing 34 new churches that have started within the past two years or that are about to start in the coming year. 34 of them that are listed right here, if I'm counting right. That's a blessing. 34 of them. 
34, they're coming. That's a blessing. 34 church planters that have either started in the last two years or they're about to start. In addition to that, there are 12 that have been started longer than 12 years. Then there are nine that are church restarts or salvages where a church is about to close its doors. America is a mission field. And so you have people coming. And uh, by the way, we're expecting that they would use the King James Bible, that they would be Baptist, not in name only, but in deed. Uh, that they would be planted by another Baptist church because it's not individuals that start churches, it's churches that start churches. Okay. Uh, anyways, yeah. We're interested in that. Uh, but we've got people coming from Potteray, Idaho, Prosser, Washington, Hotsdale, Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure I didn't say that right. Tyler, Texas, Malden, Missouri, Delta, Colorado. This is where they're going, I mean. Santa Barbara, California, Eagle Point, Oregon, North Lake, Texas, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Wallace, Idaho, Johnston, Pennsylvania, Henrietta, Oklahoma. <laughs> Sorry, that's Nathan Heckle. Fort Smith, Arkansas, Spirit Lake, Idaho, St. George, Utah, Winter Haven, California, Brigham, Brigham City, Utah, Portland, Oregon, Dearborn, Michigan, Poplar Bluff, Missouri, Conifer, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, uh, another place in Idaho, Huntington, New York, Omega, Minnesota, Baltimore, Maryland, and on and on it goes. Churches are being planted across America. That's encouraging. Thank God for that. America is a mission field. America is a mission field. Now, I understand the hesitancy because I, I also keep in my office... Um, I'm sorry, this is not show and tell night, okay? I'm just trying to set the stage. But uh, I keep, this is a very simple, just piece of paper I printed out, the Joshua Project. They're not exactly where we are, but they track the movement of the gospel around the world. And, and this map just, just reminds me why I sit down every week to study the word of God to help us to understand the need for the gospel around the globe. And you'll see three different colors here and, and you see green. Green basically means that there's at least some access to the gospel. Now you see North America and South America is predominantly green. You see that? North America, South America basically means this. It means that there's a presence of Christianity. Now listen, Joshua Project, they're calling all kinds of things Christian. Okay, so this is very, very broad, but I think we all would acknowledge that, that if somebody wants to hear the gospel in the United States of America, they have better access than somebody living in Somalia. They have better access than somebody living in a remote village in India. Do you understand that? I think we, we get that. So that's the green, the yellow, as you see across a good part of Europe and even into Russia and such. That means that there's some presence of the gospel there, but it's somewhat limited. But you can see the red. And that means that there's little to no access to the gospel in some of these countries. And if you notice the location here, it's the 1040 window as we've come to know it. In fact, we have a, in September a 1040 window prayer meeting in conjunction with the one that's going on in, in, uh, in Sri Lanka as people in Asia are coming together and they're praying for that 1040 window. It's the world's most dense populated portion of the world that has the least, the least amount of Christian workers that's the 1040 window. In other words, it's indicating this, that if we're going to be real serious about the gospel, we must be serious about getting the gospel into the 1040 window. 
So that's stretching across North Africa and into the Middle East and into Asia. And so we're talking about countries like China, countries like India, countries like Japan, countries like uh, Sudan and, and South Sudan and just some of those countries across, across Northern Africa where the gospel is, is moving very, very slowly. I, I'm hearing the words of John Landy who, who often would emphasize it this way. There are people there that will live and they will die never once hearing the name Jesus Christ. So the effort tonight to say that the United States of America is a mission field, by no means is it any kind of a way or means for me to take away from or divert attention from, nor is, nor is this, uh, this church planning effort here. Listen, we're recognizing that there's a dire need in, in the 1040 window for the gospel to move. But listen, we also need to be busy about the Lord's work right here in the United States of America. It's not an either or, it's a both and. It's a both and. In fact, we're not going to be able to send missionaries to those countries if we're not strong here in the United States of America. And so there needs to be a church planting effort. The bottom line is basically this. Listen, you just need to go where God tells you to go. And don't worry about what everybody else says around you. You just listen to what God says. He's the Lord of the harvest and he'll send you to the labor, to the, to the part of the vineyard, to the part of the harvest where he wants you to go. But you got to know for sure what God wants you to do and then you go. Some of you, God is going to send you out. Here we are recognizing a new group of students that are coming in. Some of you are going to work in some of those youth groups across the United States of America. And you're going to, you're going to encounter young people that are even wanting to take their own life. You're going to encounter young people that are struggling with transgenderism. You're going to encounter young people that are struggling with homosexuality, same-sex attraction. But I'm telling you, God loves them just as much as he loves any of us. And their minds are, their minds are twisted and they've gotten so far away. We've gotten so far away from what God's will is for a young person growing up in America. May God send you out and help you and give you a real passion and a burden to, to be involved in youth ministry in, in the United States of America. God bless you for being here. Those of you that work with children, hey, don't listen, listen. Those of you of Southwest Baptist Church that you work in the, in the children's departments uh, across the property here, don't you underestimate how God is using you? Listen, I don't, I don't think of this here in the auditorium. I don't think of this as big church and everybody else as little church. Other than just the size of the people. That's the only distinction. But listen, how are we going to have people in this auditorium, Sunday by Sunday, Wednesday by Wednesday, hearing the word of God, if as a child, they don't understand that there's a God in heaven that loves them? Parents, your job is so important at home to give them that undergirding early on. America as a mission field. We're certainly a mission field. I want to give you two reasons tonight. Two reasons tonight why America is a mission field. Two very simple reasons, and no doubt there'd be others. I mean, we can make a host of reasons out of all these other reasons here tonight, but, but, but why, I just, I just look here, I use prayer cards as my bookmarks, and I marked here the Operation World with the McFarlands. Brother Jerry and Miss Kim McFarland up in, up in Maine. Thank God that they were willing to go to Maine. He's from Texas. Talk about having to learn a language. They're a wonderful family. God's using these. But why, why, is, why should we consider America as a mission field? I'm giving you these two reasons. Number one, the increase, the increase in immigration. 
the increase in immigration. That's number one. Number two, the decrease in our spiritual state. The increase, the upward trend. And listen, folks, I don't believe it's going to stop. I don't believe it's going to stop. I believe that trend is going to continue to go up. That, that our country is going to become increasingly foreign born. And now they're here. Well, our ancestors were too, most of us. So we are indeed a country of immigrants. We've just kind of forgotten about that. Except for those that are Choctaw, Chickasaw, and other natives, Native Americans right here. But largely we are a country of immigrants. They're right. I believe that people ought to come to this country legally. I believe it's only right. But we have an increase in immigration, most certainly. How hypocritical would it be of us to send people to Somalia or to send people to Afghanistan? In fact, we have a hard time getting them in there, and yet they're coming here. Maybe you've seen some people from Afghanistan right here in Oklahoma City. You realize how hard it is to get into Afghanistan as a church planning missionary? How, how about we do here what we would do there? Would we be able to get in there? But since they're here and they're on our turf, game on. Game on. So not to let the foreign dress or anything to be like, man, I can't talk to them. They're, they're Muslim. No, wait a minute. Let that be. They're Muslim. I'm talking to them. They're on our turf. You came here, friend. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm not, I mean, I'm not meaning that spitefully. I'm just saying, hey, you're here. And, and, and so our country is becoming increasingly Muslim. In fact, it's one of the fastest growing groups. The idea, as you see Muslim countries, you just look at Europe and what has happened. They immigrate, they infiltrate, and then they dominate. We'll have a church planner here, Brother uh, Josh Levesque, I believe is how you say his last name. Josh Levesque is in Dearborn, Michigan. The Islamic center of America is 120 square feet of a temple, a mosque, rather. 100 and square thousand 120,000 120, square feet. Did I say that right? Does anybody here know what I mean? It's big. <laughs> Massive. You go to Dearborn, Michigan, you're going to feel like you're in the Middle East. Well, thank God for Brother Josh Levesque that's willing to go there. He'd have a hard time getting into, into all these other countries that are in the Middle East, but they're here. I, I tried to verify this, uh, Brother Copes, Brother Thrift, and, and um, Temple Baptist Church up in Michigan. Okay, Temple Baptist Church started in 1915, I believe it was. 1935, a man named J. Frank Norris became their pastor. I mean, he, he's an icon in independent fundamentalism and, and just was a strong preacher of the word. They called him the Texas Tornado. And he lived up to that reputation. J. Frank Norris. After J. Frank Norris, it was G.B. Vick. I mentioned the thrifts here because they, you were saved there. Is that right, Brother Thrift? Yep. 
Brother Vic was pastor. So Temple Baptist Church, I mean to tell you, friend, listen, in that time period of the 50s, and I mean, it, it was on. Running buses, soul winning, knocking doors. I mean, people literally, literally, listen to this church, literally were out every day. Somebody was out knocking doors, sharing the gospel. I tried to verify this before church and, and I knew that it had changed hands and went into more of a non-denominational. Over time, it lost its zeal. I'm talking to you about America being a mission field. And that same exact thing could happen to Southwest Baptist Church. If we don't stay fired up and, and in a spirit of revival, the same thing could happen here if we kind of get a lackadaisical idea. They go, oh, you know, we're doing pretty good. Over time, things change. And, and so then it went to a non-denominational type group. And, but now if I understand right, a group of Islamic men have bought that building and it'll be the largest mosque in that area. America is a mission field. My hometown, Bowling Green, Kentucky, is kind of known for immigration. I read an article uh, from our daily news and talking about America, or sorry, um, uh, Bowling Green being uh, since the 1970s, actually, um, with Viet- Vietnamese people coming. In fact, my brother-in-law escaped from Vietnam and made his way to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Started working at Walmart and knew no English. Literally read the dictionary, I, I kid you not, read the dictionary to learn English words. Met my sister, they married, and, and so it's quite a story, but, but it's been going on. And, and there, there are, an incre- in fact, 10% of the population now is foreign born of Bowling Green, Bowling Green, Kentucky. People from the Dominican Republic of Congo, People uh, from, uh, of course, Mexico and other Latin American countries uh, that are there. People from Myanmar, a large population. In fact, I go home and I go down in the children's uh, part of the church. And those, as they bring them in by bus and such, I see little Burmese children. It's awesome. Cambodians. Well, the first person cross-cultural experiences I ever had was sitting beside a young man from Cambodia named Boon Ten. He sat at our table in our lunchroom at our high school and he spoke very little English. The young lady sitting to my left-hand side, brown-haired, brown-eyed girl, she spoke a lot of English. I started talking to her. And we talked all the way through high school on June the 6th, 1998. She said, I do. But we, <laughs> anyways, it's quite a story. <laughs> but we learned to minister to Boone 10. Took Boone 10 skiing for the first time he'd ever seen snow. He went through the, he called it the forest. It was the woods. Kind of got off the trail. But I'm glad to tell you, Boone 10 got saved. But now there, there are people from all over the place in, in Kentucky. I, I, I wrote down some names. Cambodia, African countries. Uh, from also from, uh, from Bosnia. From Bosnia. In fact, most of them are Muslim. In, in fact, if you go to Grace Baptist Church, just across the parkway, just across the interstate there, you'll see a mosque out in the field. America as a mission field. I don't know how many ethnic groups are there in Bowling Green. 13, 14, 15 if you count rednecks. But what I'm trying to get across here before we move on is simply this. Right here in Oklahoma City, where you and I live and work, there is a large population of Vietnamese people, 
Just had pho on Friday night. You want pho is? It's really, really good. It's good for you. But main reason I go there to some of those restaurants is I want, I want to try to reach out to some of the foreign people that are here because God brought them here to this country, at least allowed them to come here to this country so I believe they could hear the gospel. Some Chinese and Vietnamese and, and Indian people that live right here. How hypocritical would it be of me to say, man, I, someday I want to be in India and then go to Saffron and not try to witness or at least invite the young lady that's there taking our order that is from India. Hey, listen, they're all, the people are all around us uh, uh, of all different type of ethnicities right here in Oklahoma City. I'm telling you tonight, listen, this country is a mission field in and of itself. That's number one, is that there is an increase in immigration. One quarter of our population right here in Oklahoma City is Hispanic. 250,000 people from either Mexico, we have a lot, you know, from Central America as well in terms of like Honduras and and other countries there, and and from Guatemala, they're right here, and I thank God for the Spanish-speaking church that's right here in Oklahoma City that started here and grew from here and went from here, and now they're doing really well. Well, they're interested in starting more churches, and why? Because it can't just be one and done. Hey, uh, church, listen, I, I believe that God may want us to plant more churches, whether right here within the metro or down in, uh, you know, who, wherever God wants to lead us, you know, to in Norman or wherever else God leads. Hey, listen, we need to be open to plant churches again right here in Oklahoma. Thank God for what went on in, in, uh, in Shawnee, but, but that, that's not it. We're not done. We need to get back to church planting. Number one, consider America as a mission field because of the increase in immigration. Number two, consider America a mission field because of the decrease in our spiritual state. George Washington said, we ought, this is in his inaugural address, he said this, we ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself hath ordained. You know what he's saying right there? If we get away from this word, we can't expect God to smile upon us. George Mason. George Mason said, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. Providence punishes national sins by national calamities. James Madison the chief architect of the Constitution, said this, we have staked the whole future of American civilization, not on the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all of our political institutions upon the capacity of each of us, of each and all of us, to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments. There's a time when our country understood spiritual things. But in many ways now, sin has become a reproach to us. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 34 that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Someone said it's even a greater reproach upon those who have a lot of light. We are, we're all about uh, standards here. We have, uh, you know, our, and I'm glad for it, our standards in America. I'm thinking about like uh, health care standards. Thank God for our health care standards. We have the USDA. Amen. We have education standards, military standards. Hey, Oklahoma, we've got football standards. I mean, we've got standards about everything. But can I say to you tonight that our greatest standard and our, the one that we ought to be most interested in is our standard of righteousness. 
Because our standard of righteousness determines our standing as a nation. Given that, then America is a mission field. John Phillips. John Phillips uh, is from England, if I'm remembering right. He's passed away and in heaven now. But he said this, we should be concerned about our standard of right. I'm sorry, he said this. He said, he said, the United States is still a bastion of faith, but it also is the home of Hollywood. What the United States of America needs is another Holy Spirit revival that will put conviction back into pulpits and pews. Conscience back into government. Common sense, decency, and discipline back into schools. Integrity back into business. Commitment back into marriage. Shame back into sin. Courage back into our courts. Character back into our leaders. Safety back into our streets. Purpose back into our youth. And God back into our national consciousness. Charles Bridges, 1834, said this about his beloved country of Britain. He said this, what an enemy is an ungodly man to his own country. If righteousness exalts, listen to this now. If righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people, he says this about that verse, what an enemy an ungodly man is to his own country. Beloved Britain, he says, Nation highest in the profession of righteousness. For thee we rejoice with trembling. Now he wrote this in 1834. For thee we rejoice with trembling. Let the little remnant in the midst of thee remember their high responsibility. Let them take care that their personal uh, and relative profession add to the righteousness and not, and not to the sin of the nation. Can I apply this to America tonight? What an enemy is an ungodly man to his country of the United States of America. Beloved USA, nation highest in profession of righteousness, for thee we rejoice with trembling. Let us as a remnant add to the righteousness, not to the sin of the nation. I was thinking about how that it says here that blessed is the nation that God is the Lord. Basically, it's saying this. It's, it's saying this. The Lord blesses the nation that submits their way to his way. The counsel of the heathen, the devices of the wicked, they will not stand. But the counsel of God, that'll stand. Blessed is the nation that recognizes that. The Lord blesses the nation that submits to his, his way. They submit their way to his way. But, but listen, wait a minute, hang on. We, we need to recognize America as a mission field because of an increase in immigration, but also we need to recognize America as a, de, as, a, as a mission field because of the decrease, because of the decrease in our spiritual state, because of this pursuit of our own way is in opposition to his way. And instead, I'm talking about by and large as a country, instead of standing in awe of him, we're standing against him. Need evidence of that? I'm talking about as a nation, we're pursuing politics without morality. As a nation, we're pursuing sexual pleasure without the boundaries of biblical marriage. 
Fornication is destroying our land. Pornography is destroying our land. You're here tonight. You're involved in pornography. You're adding to the problem of America. You need to be adding to the solution. We're pursuing personal enjoyment without thought of God. Walked into REI, pretty cool store, hiking stuff, biking stuff, camping stuff, man type stuff, pretty neat place. Saw some guys there getting suited up for some backpacks, looked like they're about ready to go and live in some kind of a van. Just hang out in Colorado and hike and do whitewater rafting. Probably some guy named Trip. <laughs> hey, I, I love the outdoors. I do. One of my favorite things in the world is to go hiking. One of my favorite things in the world is to go canoeing. But a lot of people are just out there enjoying nature with no thought of God. You go, you go to the Northwest... You go to Washington, you go to Oregon, absolutely, incredibly beautiful. You have people that are hiking every Sunday and no regard for God. We're pursuing pleasure with no thought of God. We're pursuing financial peace without godly stewardship. You don't think America's a mission field? Just go drive by a casino tonight. I said drive by it. Don't drive to it. Just drive by it. You say, what time should I go by to see how crowded it is? Doesn't matter. Go at 8 o'clock tonight, it'll be full. Go at 2 o'clock in the morning, friend, it'll be full. Why? Because we're pursuing financial peace without godly principles of stewardship as a country. We're pursuing knowledge with no regard for truth. We're pursuing personal convenience without regard for life. If an older person is inconveniencing you, do away with them. If an unborn child is an inconvenience, abort it. That's our country. That's why we're a mission field. Marriage without respect to its original design. God designed marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime. We're pursuing entertainment without biblical convictions. How about this? So-called churches pursuing religious entertainment without regard for repentance, faith, and the new birth. Centers of entertainment. I thank God tonight that as people come for the church planning conference, they're going to hear, hear Bible preaching. They're going to hear singing. They're going to be involved in it. The children, I thank God, Brother Josh Jett's here tonight. And, and Brother Josh, just raise your hand right over here. Brother Josh and I came same year in, 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 20, in 2003. And for 20 years, he's been helping out in the children's uh, conference or the church planning conference for like hours at a time. 
heading it up for the last 17 years. Thank God for that, but I guarantee you they're going to hear the Bible preached over there. They're going to do some games. They're going to have a good time, but it's not just about good time because from a child, we want them to understand, listen, you need to be involved in church planning. It's not about us being entertained. Listen, this morning I asked the boys what, who preached and, 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 brother, and Trevor said that Brother Seth preached and, 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 uh, and then I asked Trenton who preached and he mentioned that Brother Dylan preached and they preached. I tell you what they didn't do. They didn't play Xbox. They didn't play some other game system. Why? Because young people don't need to be entertained. Young, they don't need more entertainment. I tell you what they do need. They need more of the word because they need godly character. We've got to get back to seeing America as a mission field and seeing our young people as a hope of America. Getting the word to them early on. We have the birthing of children without the hard work of parenting. Boy, parenting's hard work. A lot of people bringing children into the world and then not really guiding or parenting them. Well, thank God for you as parents here tonight. You're trying to raise them upright. America is a mission field. Our spiritual state is reflected in this. The use of substances to provide short-term relief without consideration for long-term consequences. And that applies from everything from nicotine to alcohol to marijuana to other drugs. America is seeking a short-term relief from their problems without thinking about the long-term consequences. America is a mission field. All the while, church services conducted without power, without prayer, even without joy. A focus on running church programs, but not making disciples. And then this, a lack of those who are willing to give their lives to serve God. I'm not just talking about full-time service, but let me talk about full-time service too. Uh, let me first of all talk to all that are here coming up and growing up in this church. Hey, if God wants you to be a doctor, you be a doctor. If God wants you to be an officer, you be an officer. If God wants you to be a teacher, you be the best teacher. You work in the public school systems and be a light if God wants you there. But you make the purpose and the mission of your life to serve Jesus Christ. Don't let him be just a part of your life that you do on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. Let it be the driving force of what you do day in and day out. But I don't believe that God's done calling men and women and young people into the ministry. I said it intentionally in that order because those of you that are already in your jobs, you're not safe from God's call. (laughs) I shouldn't say it in such a negative light. Uh, what would be a positive way to say that? You could be called too. It's a blessing. Say, so, man, I don't want to go in the ministry. You'll live a boring life. I haven't had a boring day in a long time. <laughs> I was speaking with Brother Brett on Friday, Thursday or Friday, whenever he came by and had a little fellowship time and I was asking about the churches in Canada. I believe there's under 300 independent fundamental Baptist churches in Canada. Under 300. Brother Brett, am I right about that? It was at 300 and he said, well, actually that number's gone down because a lot of churches have closed their doors in Canada. 
I have a friend in Al Stone that they've got a project in Bearing Precious Seed. I believe it is. Is that right? In Canada, getting a, a Bible to getting a Bible. To, they're mailing out a Bible to every every house in Canada, and they're down to the last two. Provinces, is that, is that right? Am I thinking right about that? Last two. And I asked Brother Brett, did you get a Bible at your house? And he did. Man, that's awesome. But you think about it, under 300 churches for all of Canada. And then he added this, we're not seeing a lot of our young people surrender to the ministry. That's more problems on the horizon. That's why Heartland Baptist Bible College is in Oklahoma City. And while we're privileged to be here to get to impact and influence the next generation that are being called. What a privilege. What an opportunity we have, church. We can think, man, it's going to get crowded here on Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Say that again. It's going to get crowded here on Wednesday night. Yes. If we're thinking about America as a mission field, because that means God is still at work in America. Let's not be grudging. Let's not say, oh man, here we go again. No, let's say, oh man, here we go again. It's still on. God's still calling. God's still working. Every one of you are important. Don't flake out. Don't mess around. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your parents' money. Go to class. And do work and stuff. Why? Because America's a mission field. You say, well, if you emphasize too much, then people won't leave here. And oh, wait a minute, hang on. How about Sarah Hainline that uh, grew up in a church planner's home in, in Astoria, Queens, New York, that now is going to, to Kenya and South Sudan? It'll work. I was driving here. Saturday morning and just listening to bot radio and I'm not endorsing all the preachers that are on there, but one man made reference to this. We're in the process of making, and here's the terminology he used. It, it, it's not maybe new terminology, but it really arrested my attention. We are making right now in America, we are making generational choices. And he explained when Joshua stood before the children of Israel and said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. That was a generational choice. We're making generational choices right now. And if you in your heart and mind, you're saying things like this, yeah, you know that church planning, that's for all those preachers and that's for all those people. Uh, churches start Churches. It's not about those preachers having a little meeting. <laughs> no, it's about us doing the work of the gospel. If you're a young person here tonight, you don't need to see this. Yeah, my parents are really involved. How about you? How about you? This is a generational choice here. Man, it was a blessing today. We were serving lunch. Workers were serving lunch and Miss. Miss Erin Castile did a great job getting the meal together, but she had a couple of the young ladies, maybe more than that, but I know for sure, a couple of the teenage young ladies, and they were serving. But here's Miss Erin's heart. She said, we want to get them involved early so that it just becomes part of our church. It's a generational choice. 
What can you do? America's a mission field. Everybody agree with that? I tried to make the case tonight. America's a mission field. We're seeing an increase in, in immigration. The world is coming to us. And sadly, we're not ready for it. We're not lacking personnel. We're lacking revival. This may be one of the grandest times for the movement of the gospel in the United States of America in terms of unreached people groups hearing the gospel right here. We need a revival. So what should we do? I close with these five simple statements. Number one at the top of the list is always and intentionally pray. Pray. It was encouraging to see some new men at the men's prayer meeting this morning. That was a blessing. Pray. Number two, be involved in ministry right here. Since America is a mission field, you are on the mission field. Think of yourself as a missionary. Number three, support the training of those that God calls. Number four, let's help church planners. Number five, let's pray about where God wants us to start another church. Domestically or internationally, let's be church planners. Dear God, thank you tonight. I thank you for the wonderful opportunity you're bringing our way by way of people immigrating here. It's like you're bringing the world to us. Maybe it's because we're not going to the world like we ought to be. You're bringing them to our very doorstep. Help us to be ready. I thank you for the church planners that are here tonight. I think about how you use people like Brother Scott Nell and Alfred King that are here tonight planning churches that are ongoing and still planning churches, churches that planted churches. God, I thank you for the conversation I had with Brother Rick McQueen this past week and the work you're doing at Shawnee Baptist Church. God, I thank you for Lighthouse Baptist Church in Edmond and Calvary Baptist in Weatherford and the Glacier Baptista, El Calvario here right in Oklahoma City. I thank you for that. And I thank you beyond that for all the foreign missionaries, church planners. But I thank you also for young people, teenagers that are trying to share the gospel where they go to school for co-workers that are trying to share the gospel with their friends and invite them to church. God, I thank you that the work is going on. I just pray that you'd give us a revival and help us to see the opportunity, to see the decline spiritually, and that certainly undergirds or under high, highlights why we need to be diligent. I pray for the generation that's growing up that's so confused and they're hurting themselves. Oh, God, would you please help us to help them? Thank you for the bus ministry. Thank you for the youth ministry, the college ministry that's reaching people. And bringing people, God, what a blessing. Friends being true friends to others. Lord, just help us to do it in a way that pleases you. Lord, I pray even for the opportunity you made aware of this week in an elementary school to have a Bible club right here in the Oklahoma City area. Lord, would you make something of that? Would you just help us, Lord? I pray for Grant High School that's right here at our doorstep. I pray for other uh, locations that's just right here that's a true mission field seeing young people walk to Roosevelt and other places like that God I pray that you'd help us to care pray for the Chinese and Vietnamese and Indian populations that's just right here Lord we've got so much to do and such an opportunity help us to make the most of it I pray in Jesus name Amen let's stand together tonight